Aloha, and welcome to the Papa Guy Podcast. Today we are starting a new segment for our program called Pages from Time. Stories and memories from growing up in Michigan. Today's episode is called This is the Life. I would also like to acknowledge and to credit my good friend Carl Kasberg, a wonderful pianist who wrote a song for his parents called Somewhere Lost in Time. In today's episode, you will hear that music in our interludes. Thank you, Carl. Growing up in Michigan, it was, and maybe still is, an absolute given to learn to fish. From the first time you feel the tug on the end of a fishing pole getting a bite, you are off on a lifetime of adventures around waters. And from the first time, no pun intended, you are hooked. For my father, fishing was one of the most important things to learn at a young age and it would become an integral part of our lives growing up. With it also came the unspoken but well understood custom that it be passed on to the next generation. My father could hardly conceive of a boy being older than five years without having had his first introduction to fishing. He once asked a friend of the family if his boys, maybe seven to 10 years old respectively, knew how to fish. When their dad answered they had never fished, I could see the look of disbelief on my father's face. He promptly got them fishing equipment, fixing up some of our old poles and getting them some other equipment at the store. My father, having grown up in the Depression in the 1930s, was not quick to part with his money, and yet he was determined that his friend's boys would get to it and learn how to fish. A few days later, they all went fishing to a nearby lake, and that's all it took to introduce them to a lifetime of fishing. Though born and raised in Lansing, Michigan, many of our boyhood adventures took place in and around my dad's hometown of Benzonia and Beulah in the northwest part of the state, and only a few miles from Lake Michigan. Benzonia was up on the hill and Beulah was down the hill, no more than a half mile and nestled on the east shore of beautiful Crystal Lake. An eight mile long and three mile wide, gorgeous body of water that we fished from shore and from small boats and from the tea dock throughout our years growing up. There were within 15 to 20 miles in any direction, many other rivers, lakes and streams that we would fish. Known from long ago as the water winter wonderland, Michigan lived up to its reputation and even had that printed on license plates for cars from 1964 to 1967. Camping and fishing went hand in hand and for my father, well, the tougher the conditions, the better. He liked to call it roughing it. You soon learn when you wake up in a wet sleeping bag 
after an overnight rain that canvas tents are waterproof as long as it does not rain. So we camped and we fished, oftentimes with our whole family in our early youth, but there were times when some of us would camp and some would stay with grandparents or uncles to avoid, well, the luxurious comfort of canvas tents. This was our paradise among the towering oak and pine trees, the sound of birds or the whisper of the wind through the forest, a crispness in the air that just made it easier to breathe deep. Gazing at the meandering waters of the Betsy or Platte rivers or to hear the wash of water over rocks in Cold Creek as it wound its way from the hills of Benzonia down to the mouth of Crystal Lake in Beulah. We caught brook trout out of Cold Creek, bass, salmon, and trout from the banks of the Betsy River, and many a perch from the waters of Crystal Lake. Daily tasks were simple. Survive the elements, have shelter, catch something to eat, cook it and eat it, and end the day sitting around the glow and warmth of a crackling campfire deciding what waters to fish the next day. As boys, my brother Chris and I would constantly be holding a stick to these campfires, our first taste of pyromania. And we would move strategically around the campfire when the smoke decided to blow in our faces. All of this is where I saw my father in his element, at his best, if you will. I remember keenly in these moments that my father would often light his pipe stand straight and tall and say, this is the life, man. This is the life. Eventually, and sometimes one by one, we would retire to our respective sleeping bags in the tent, our clothes smelling like smoke, and we would drift off to sleep to the sound of crickets and the thoughts and excitement of what the next day would bring. As young boys, we were just present, enjoying the adventures of the day, bragging perhaps about who caught the biggest fish, telling stories of the one or the ones that got away, and also sharing in the cleaning of the fish. Though I can assure you, almost always, my dad cleaned the most fish. He wasn't the quickest at it, but he certainly didn't leave any meat on the bone. And after that, we were off, heading to the tree fort that our grandfather had built just over the hill from their home to play soldier, engage in an apple fight with our cousins, or play a game of capture the flag. We were innocent and present in the moment. No need for yoga mats, chants, or incense. It was pure joy. My father, like his father, was a patient man, a quality that I admire to this day. I have aspired with less than admirable results to be more like them. Fishing with two young boys, I am sure, tested his patience, though you would never know. 
As we trudged the banks of the Betsy River or the narrow pathways along Cold Creek, there were frequent calls from one of us. Dad, I have a snag. Dad, I need some more bait. Dad, my boot came off in the mud. Sometimes our snag was on a log or weed, or sometimes not even in the water, but with our hook or line stuck in the tree behind and above us from just being carefree and careless boys. My dad would come to our aid, patiently untangle our fishing rigs, as he liked to call them, and get us back into action. Perhaps long enough that he too could get his line in the water. I was completely aware that he had one eye on us all the time when we were young boys. If one of us, while navigating the banks of a river or stream, wandered around a bend out of sight, he would quickly ask, Where's Chris? Or, Where's Guy? Sometimes he'd give a whistle, and we would whistle back. You never wanted to make too much noise for fear of spooking the fish. Of course, there was a learning curve, and as time went on, we would learn to tie and bait our own hooks, attach a bobber to the line, or a leader, or another lure or bait, and to get ourselves off from our own snags. We also found as time went on, wandering further down the streams or rivers than we ever did or would ever be allowed by our father when we were younger. When reflecting back many years later and taking a peek into these small windows of time, it's a mixture of priceless memories and also sometimes a hard look at some of the realities you did not see as a single-minded, wide-eyed boy out for adventure. Sometimes what you never understood then became a little more clear as time went on. As all men, or certainly most men, my father had his struggles. He suffered from depression sometimes quite deep depression, which perhaps I recognized as a boy at the age of 10, but I had no capacity to understand it or to even try to deal with it. I would simply escape, off with friends on a bike ride or spearheading a pickup football or baseball game in and around our neighborhood. Now, as I mentioned, my dad grew up during the 1930s depression and being the oldest of five siblings, he was often the man of the house as my grandfather's work on the railroads often took him away from home. Years later, when I was looking for possible answers to a difficult question about my father's depression, one of my aunts said, I think your dad had to grow up fast and missed a lot of his childhood time. His oldest sister told me once that one time he was given some money by his mother to go get supplies from the store, which was quite a walk away, and he had to go through a snowstorm. 
Somehow, he lost the money in the wind and sleet of the storm, perhaps shifting it from one pocket to another as he tried to keep his hands warm on his trek. He then had to go home and break that news, unfortunately, to his mother. My aunt recounted the story to me and said she watched her mother, after hearing his story, say nothing and just turn away from him. It was a tough story for me to hear and certainly could have left a scar. But there were other factors to his struggles. My father also suffered much more than his share of physical ailments throughout his life that could have been caused by the depression and certainly made the depression worse. Probably a combination of both. Sometimes our weekend trips or camping fishing adventures would be canceled because he was not feeling well. Though disappointed, we were quick to adjust, as young boys do, and escape to new and different adventures with our friends around our neighborhood. I have my own theories about my father's struggle with depression, which may or may not be completely contrary to how my siblings saw or see this. I think he, like many men, struggled to live in a world of punching clocks, working less than fulfilling jobs, paying bills, and trying to make ends meet. Why only 100 years earlier, your goal was to find food, shelter, and keep your family safe. I think he was meant for simpler times. And maybe we all were. No wonder so many people camp, fish, hike, and seek simple adventures. Perhaps these struggles run deep, far below the surface. As individuals, we are complicated, and so much of what we experience, especially the pain and hard times of our lives, perhaps were never meant to be figured out or understood. I knew where my father's element was, and I just wanted him to be there more. I am comforted by not understanding all these things by words from one of my favorite movies, A River Runs Through It. Near the end of the movie, in a sermon to his churchgoers, the pastor says, You may never understand someone completely but you can love them completely. And in my mind and in my heart, that is what I do nowadays with my father. I simply love him and our memories completely. Life goes on and lives change. People grow up and pursue careers, have families of their own and move on. My dad, long before us, had enlisted in the Marines right near the end of World War II and spent some time stationed in China with the prospect of going to war with the communists. Well, that never happened. So here I am. After coming home, he spent his early working career traveling around Michigan and opening a number of radio stations in small towns before settling in Lansing, starting a family, 
and working for WKAR Radio at Michigan State University. Me? I left Michigan altogether after college, pursuing a career that would take me to, among other places, Japan for four years before moving to Hawaii. It was only a year or two after I moved here that my brother, now an attorney in Michigan, made the decision to close up his law practice and move out to Hawaii as well. He's lived here for many years, still does, raised his family here as well. My son was born in Tokyo and was two when we moved to Hawaii. He grew up here, and when he was old enough, we did some shore fishing as best we could. Ocean fishing was not exactly what I grew up with, and I had to seek advice from local fishermen on the tricks and tips for ocean fishing from the shore. Thankfully, my son was able to experience fishing with me and my father both, here in Hawaii and on trips back to Michigan where I was able to introduce him to fishing the waters of my boyhood, and his grandfather was able to participate in that as well. I think I enjoyed seeing my son enjoy this even more than he did. My son has his own family now in Hawaii, and I have a grandson and granddaughter. When my grandson was four, I took him fishing at Makaiva Bay, not far from our home here where he caught his first fish with a small pole just the right size for him. What he caught was a fish called a Moana. And we took a video of him bringing it in and holding it up and saying as he looked into the camera, smiling from ear to ear, Daddy, I caught a fish. I caught a real fish, Dad. My first fish. I immediately sent the video a luxury we have these days, to my son who was working that day so he could share in the experience. I gently removed the hook and let my grandson hold the fish and gently let it slip out of his hands as it swam away in the ocean waters. As simple as it was, this was a moment that for me transcended time. Across the generations, when another boy is hooked forever. A bonding that takes place between fathers and their sons or daughters and grandfathers and their grandsons and granddaughters. Hawaii has produced a number of fishing experiences for us. At one time, my grandson caught a two-foot blackfin shark. He was grinning from ear to ear as we held the fish and his dad took the picture. Again, we cradled the belly of the fish as we unhooked it and let it swim away into the ocean. Every time I see my grandson now, the first thing he asks is, when can we go fishing? My father has been gone for 25 years now this January 13th. Wow, how time passes. My role today is clear as I hear a familiar calling during our fishing adventures. Papa Guy, I have a snag. 
Papagai, my hook broke. Papagai, my bait is gone. It's at these moments that I silently say to myself, and yes, to my father, this is the life, Dad. This is the life. We really hope you enjoyed today's show. We would also like to remind you that there is a link in the show notes that you can go to to support this podcast. As I suggested earlier, listen to the podcast, listen to past episodes, and see how you like it, and then decide if you'd like to support for as little as 99 cents per month. Also, if you'd like to provide feedback, you can email me at papaguypodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate you very much. Aloha.